So, so good to see you guys this morning. We're just honored to, to have you, and it's just uh, really cool just seeing more and more folks kind of trickling back in uh, after kind of all we've been through in, in this pandemic, so it is exciting to see. Uh, I tell you, I, just thinking about this, I, I just I don't take worship gatherings for granted anymore. I feel bad to say maybe in the past, just for service on a weekend, you kind of sometimes just have a mentality of just grinding through them now after they were just uh, taken away for us, from us in some ways for a period of time, it's just something I don't take for granted. So we're glad you're here today. I believe God's going to do something as we study His Word together today. I'm excited about that. Those of you who are watching online, we're just always excited to have you and just, just love that. Love hearing from you guys. I know Pastor Todd's doing a good job uh, just interacting with you. Uh, today, uh, we're going to move on in our series, week number three of this Foolproof series, and we're studying through uh, the book of Proverbs. And on Sunday morning, we're having some messages, but then every single day of the week, Monday through Friday, we have a, a Foolproof podcast. We're going verse by verse through the book of Proverbs, so just a great way for you to jump in and start your day uh, in the Word of God every single morning. So I hope you'll take advantage uh, of that. Because uh, life, life is just too short to learn everything the hard way. Does that make sense? That, that we could really gain wisdom in our life. And so uh, what is wisdom? It's really, wisdom is this. It's learning to apply God's answers to life's problems. That, that's wisdom. And, and all of us, we have just questions every single day from difficult relationships in our life, difficult people, uncomfortable situations, financial questions, on and on and on. We're just bombarded with, with questions. And wisdom is this journey that the book of Proverbs really takes us on to really learn how more and more to answer these difficult questions of life with the answers of God. And so that, that's what we're uh, about. Last week, we said the foundation to wisdom. We didn't say it. The Scripture did. Uh, it says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we kind of pushed in that just a little bit last week. What does it mean to fear the Lord? And we said fear means, means first of all, it just means fear. But when we really understand the power and the might and the majesty and, and the position of God, then we begin to move into a place of awe and reverence and uh, of Him. And that really starts us on this journey of uh, really growing in wisdom. And every single week, man, every single week when I'm done preaching, I'm always, I'm driving home and I'm thinking, I wish I'd have said this or that was really dumb to say that. And it's kind of this sort of exhausting sort of journey. I'm really a delight to, to live with on Sunday afternoon, my, my poor wife. Don't pray for me. Pray for her. But, but one of the things last week that I was thinking about and, and thought about throughout the week is, is how do we really grow in the fear of the Lord? And so I want you just to take this real quick journey, and then we'll move into uh, this week's uh, text. No matter what you think of the power of God, he has more. Do you believe that? No matter what your understanding of God's power, he has more. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And, and no matter what you and I think about the authority of God, I mean, what does he have authority over? Like all of us maybe at kind of different places, God has more authority. He is sovereign. He has authority over all things. And no matter what you and I think about the grace of God to us, he has more. Is that pretty amazing? And when you begin to really wrestle with that, then we begin to grow in a healthy fear uh, of the Lord. Now, the, the, book of Psalm, uh, the book of Solomon, the book of Proverbs written by Solomon, uh, really breaks down the difference between wisdom and foolishness. And the difference between wisdom and foolishness really basically boils down to two words, humility and pride. That, that's kind of this overarching theme of the book of Proverbs because all of us here today would say we, we, we'd rather grow in wisdom than they become more and more foolish. I mean, that's pretty easy, right? I mean, you can jump in. Like, we're just kind of building some rapport, building some rapport with each other, kind of getting on the same page and getting a little energy going. Of course, we would all say that. I want to grow in wisdom. And so what, what Proverbs says is it really boils down to two words, pride 
and humility. And that's where we're going to be today. We're going to really take a look at this pride ride uh, in our life. But take a look at Proverbs 11.2. This is such a, such a great verse, and it's just so clear, making this point over and over again. Uh, Solomon says this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. And we'll see that through all. When, when pride comes, then, then comes disgrace. But with humility, there comes wisdom. Now, here's the thing about pride. Um, it's kind of hard to define pride. And so if you take a look at really a Hebrew, uh, an understanding of pride in the Hebrew, the word pr- that we translate pride just means high. I want to kind of build on that just a little bit today, right? So what does it mean to have pride? It just means high. It, it, it means that, that you and I, when we're walking in pride, we kind of have a, we have a high view of ourselves. We think, you ever heard anybody say, boy, he really thinks highly of himself? You ever heard anybody say that? Could somebody just nod? You, yeah, even if you haven't, it makes me feel better. Yeah, he thinks highly of himself. And so pride means, pride means high. So it's an elevated, self, elevated view of yourself. It's kind of an elevated view of your opinion, right? You, you, you know the answer before anybody asks a question, and, and, and we're not so good at listening because we want to talk because we have a high view of our opinion because it's what matters most, a high view of our own desires, our needs more than anybody else's needs. And so when, when, when we're walking in pride, it's really this picture of we're really kind of looking down on others. And ultimately, uh, it's, it's a really difficult posture because we're, we're not looking up to the Lord in worship. And that's really the opposite of pride is, is humility, is having a correct understanding of yourself, viewing others over yourself, and then ultimately viewing God as overall. So this is really, really an important, an important thing. But I think about this. Pride is something that's so easy to see in somebody else, isn't it? Like, boy, you're around somebody, and you can say, wow, he loves himself. Right, it's pretty easy to see pride in somebody else. It's just really hard to see pride in our own lives, isn't it? That's something that we look in the mirror. We just don't see it when we look in the mirror. And so because of that, I want to have some fun here today. I want to take a little pop quiz, a pride test. You up for that? Nobody has in any of the other services either, so I just thought I'd try something different. So you, you remember in school, if you're in college now and, and or whatever, high school, and a, and a teacher comes in and says, hey, take out a sheet of paper. Dun, 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 dun. What does that mean? Pop quiz, hated them. I remember when I graduated from college, I went to seminary. I thought, well, surely in seminary they don't have pop quizzes because these people are saved. They wouldn't do that. Turns out they're not. Still have pop quizzes. So let's have a pop quiz here on Sunday. Let's have a pop quiz. Let's take a pride test. Can we do that? Uh, by the way, there are five questions. If you miss one, you fail. So anyways, just uh, told, told you that. Here's the first question. Do worship and ministry play second fiddle to your career, hobbies, and interests? Right, to, to worshiping the Lord above all and, and ministry, like serving Him, being involved in something that's making disciples and, and serving a local body of believers that is encouraging other people to, to worship in ministry, play second fiddle to your career, hobbies, and interests. If so, that, that's really pride. And you say, well, no, 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 that's really that's like a time issue. Like it's more, more, of a, more of a time issue. Well, let me push on that. Maybe not. We all have the same amount of time, don't we? We just find time for what's more important to us. And, and most of the time, we prioritize, we have a high view of our career, of our hobbies, of our interests. We have a higher view of them than we do of worshiping the Lord and serving the Lord, right? And so what, what, what's driving that is pride. So here's the thing. What I want us to see today is you'll never break free from any pattern of behavior until we really understand what's underneath it, what's driving it. You guys are not enjoying this pop quiz. I, by the way, I failed this test, right? Is that... Anyways, and, and so number, number two, does it uh, irritate you when somebody corrects you for your faults? Does that bother anybody? Thursday night, we had just revival here. People were answering these questions out loud. They're like, yes, yeah, it does. 
And it, it, does, it does me too. And somebody points out and corrects my faults. I mean, that, that's not easy. I don't, I don't like that. And none of us do. And so what's really driving that? What's really driving that? And many times it's just, it's just pride, isn't it? I don't want you correcting me because I feel good about me. Uh, does it, here's question number three. Does it bother you when others around you succeed? Like when they get the promotion that you wanted, when their kid gets the scholarship that you wanted your kid to get, when, when, when you know, something good happens to them, you know, they take a really cool vacation, and, you know, it's, everybody always shares that stuff out on social media. Nobody ever really talks about a weekend that they, they spent, you know, out at Walter Hill carrying off trash from their house. Nobody really posts that. Like, really? So it's always the best of life. And if you live in Walter Hill, I love you. That's a great place to be. But, see, does it, does, it, does it bother you when other people succeed? If so, what's fueling that? Well, it's, it's pride. Number four, do you find it difficult to admit when you're wrong? It's a tough one, isn't it? I, uh, several, several weeks ago, I'm not going to call this staff member out, um, but uh, he or she, uh, came into my office and uh, they had to film something for our Thursday night, uh, Thursday afternoon video that we sent out. And I, my, my, don't laugh at this. Other services have it. It's it's a little painful. Uh, I literally decorated my office from Bass Pro. Like everything in my office came from Bass Pro. Lamps, pictures. It's where I did. And people were like, "Wow, that's pitiful." It's me. And so I have a lamp in my office that I just absolutely love. Um, you seen you seen the uh, the the movie uh, Christmas Story and he gets the major award lamp. And anyways, if you didn't see that. Yeah, you know, it's not like that lamp, but it's got like a like a fishing pole and a reel. And it's got a you know, it's just like real, I just love the lamp. And so I'm I'm in my office and I and and one of our staff members comes in and just says, "Hey, I need to do this really quickly." So I said, "I'm gonna run to the bathroom. I'll be right back." So I run to the bathroom. Three minutes. I'm 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 back up and my lamp's laying on the floor, I'm just broken. I'm like, dude, which dude could be guy or girl? So don't try to think. I said, "You just broke my lamp." He said, "No, I didn't." Yeah, because three minutes ago, my lamp was sitting right here on this, this table, and now it's, 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 it's laying in the floor. This is a 40-year-old man. This is an 8-year-old that I'm having a conversation with. I was like, my, this is my lamp. That's my favorite lamp, and it's broken. Nobody else has been in here, have they? No. I said, well, you broke it. No, I didn't. I'm like, we're, we're really stuck here, right, because I, I don't know where to go from here. It just seemed like it was perfectly operational just a little bit ago. Now, now it's broken. He said, well, it's already broken. I just bumped it, and, and it was already broken. I was like, well, we can't just really win here, uh, can we? So basically what you did is you did me a favor. This lamp was going to electrocute me had you not knocked it in the floor. So thank you uh, for what you, you just done. I thought, well, you know, we, it's just, I, I thought about him, then I thought about me. It's so hard for me to admit when I'm wrong. Is it hard for you to admit when you're wrong? You see, it is because of pride. Now, here's the fifth and final question on the pride test. Are you constantly putting yourself down? And you might say, well, that, that sounds like a question on the humility test. That, that doesn't seem like that would be a question on the pride test, but like you say, you know what, I'm just a, I'm just a goof up. I'm just a goober. I, I, just, I can't figure it out. You're just always putting yourself down. Well, well listen, that's false humility, right? That's false humility. And false humility, here, here, here's the dirty little secret about false humility. It's, it's truly prideful because it's just an over-focus on self, right? I mean, we talk about pride when we're sort of arrogant and, and you know, bragging on ourselves, but this false humility is still just, just self-centeredness in, in some, some ways. And so you, you finish the test. And so if you're like me, and maybe you're way better than me, and I'm, I'm glad I don't be prideful about it, but if you, you know, it, it shows us that pride exists in all of our lives. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes, and we're going to look at a lot of Scripture here, is I want us to understand the dangers of the pride ride. Because the pride ride is dangerous for you and everybody you're in relationship with. Now, I don't, I don't say this uh, to be flippant, 
Uh, I, I grew up in the 70s, right? So I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a kid, grade school kid in the 70s. I had a, had a buddy in my neighborhood, and uh, his dad was always off in the summer. And so when all of our dads were at work, his dad was at home. And like, he was the coolest, guy, coolest dad in the neighborhood. He played ball with us. And, uh, you know, he would take us to the lake fishing and just do all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. But, again, looking back on it, I mean, this guy, he had a, he had a major, major alcohol problem. And sometimes he would just yell, you know, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, he'd just say, hey, let's go for a ride. And we'd get in his car. I still can see his car in my mind's eye. I can see his car. And there's about three or four of us little dudes, 7, 8, 10-year-old guys. And we'd, we'd jump in his car, and he heads to the, to the liquor store. He'd been drinking all day, and it's going to keep on. And he was intoxicated when he was driving us uh, there. I, I think about that now, and I think, man, that was like, I was super dangerous, right? I didn't even, I didn't even realize what was going on. It was super dangerous, you know, that that was going on. But here's a point I want to push into this just a little bit. Nobody in this room, like if you're, you're about to leave and go to lunch after this service, I mean, somebody comes up and asks to give you a ride to the restaurant, and, man, I mean, they are, they are messed up. Right, they're slurring their speech, and they, they can't walk. They're, I mean, it is obvious to everybody that they're intoxicated. Right? Here's the point. You're not getting in the car and riding to the restaurant with them. Why? Because it's what? It's dangerous. It's like super dangerous, and every single person in this room would understand that, and we would make some adjustments about that. We'd we'd help them. We might get them an Uber and get them home, and we wouldn't let anybody ride with them. We'd make some adjustments to that because we understand riding with somebody that is intoxicated is dangerous. Can we just all have some agreement on that? It's interesting about the definition of pride. It means high. That's what my grandmama would say about people. He looks high. Right in the 80s, if somebody was messed up, I think he's high. You know what? It is exceedingly dangerous to ride in a car with someone that is high. But let me just tell you something. It is exceedingly dangerous to be on a journey of life with someone that is high, that is intoxicated with himself. Or if it is you or me, everybody around us is on this pride ride when they're doing life with us and we're intoxicated with self and it can be super damaging. And we really have to understand that and make some adjustments. And we've got to understand for the next seven minutes, we have to understand the danger of the pride ride. All right? Let, let's see it. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 8. Listen to what it says. Pride goes before destruction or a fall. You learned it that way? Yeah. A haughty spirit before a fall. And, and you might say, well, what is a haughty spirit? A uh, haughty spirit means arrogance. Haughty is a word that just focuses on the eyes. It's someone who's constantly looking down on you. Do you know people like that? You, you walk in the room. Don't, don't point at them. That's like super awkward if you did that. But like you know people, you just walk, you're just around them and they just give you that look and you can just tell their look says, I'm better than you. You know people like that? Like, I'm smarter than you. I've got more power and more influence with you. Like, you know what? i got better raising than you. I dress better than you. Whatever, right? That's a haughty spirit. They're just looking down on you. So the Scripture says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit uh, before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. And so we're going to start right here with the understanding the pride ride and how dangerous it is to be on a pride ride because, first of all, the Scripture says that pride leads to destruction. Like, if we don't, we don't do it. And that's why we took the test this morning. Like, nobody wants to take a pop test, but the reason that you take a pop quiz is you get kind of a, a good assessment of where you are. And so when we, when, we, when we took this little pride test, it gives us an assessment. It gives me assessment that, you know what, 
I'm not as far along as I thought I was with pride. And you might ask me, Pastor Brady, do you struggle with pride? Yes, I've struggled with pride my entire life. Pride has cost me a whole lot, lot more than, than, than I'd will be willing to share with you guys. Pride has cost me in my relationship with God. Pride has cost me in my relationship with everybody else around me. And, and, and truly, it, it's cost our nation so much because, you know, we're, we're celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. weekend th- this weekend. And it, you think about prejudice. At the heart of prejudice, what's at the heart of prejudice? Pride. Pride is at the heart of prejudice. Any prejudice that we have in our life, it's pride. It's really, it's really living your life too high. You're looking down on someone because of their skin color, because of their socioeconomic background, because of their education, because of what side of town that they live on, and on and on and goes. Any area of pride I have is ultimate, or any area of prejudice I have is ultimately a sign of unrepentant pride in my life. And so you need to understand the danger of the pride ride. First of all, pride leads to destruction. And what the, the Bible is really clear here. The Bible doesn't say that if we have pride, it might lead to destruction. The Bible is really clear that if we have pride, that it, then it will lead to destruction. It's not a matter of, of, of if. It's just a matter of, of when. And so why does pride lead to destruction? Well, a couple of reasons. No, no, number one, a person of, of pride refuses to take correction. And in any area of my life, if I refuse to take correction, then I'm going to run my life into a ditch, right? Does that make sense? Nobody's responding? Because this is really fun, but I want us to think about it here today. This is, this is really important. In my life right now, I am involved in things. I'm believing certain things in my life. I have some blind spots in my life that, that, are, that are wrong, and I need the correction of the Word of God, the correction of the Holy Spirit, and the correction of other believers to point that out in me. Does that make sense? And everybody in this room has the same thing. Everybody watching on, 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 online this morning, there is something right now that you are doing, you are believing, one area that's just not right. And so if you don't take correction, if you don't take correction, then destruction is coming. Another reason why destruction destruction is coming in pride is because pride ultimately pits us against God. It has us living in opposition to God because what did we say about pride? Pride is looking down, right? And if you're looking down, then consequently you can't look where? Up in worship, you see? And so it puts us against in opposition to God. C.J. Mahaney said this, pride is our greatest enemy. This is a fascinating thing to think about. Pride is our greatest enemy and humility is our greatest friend. So I want to kind of push into that, and I guarantee you today, if we could think about this, I know it's really a hard subject, it's a hard thing for me to think about uh, today, but if we could do this, it would make a huge difference in your relationship with God and in your relationship with everybody around you. Listen, there, there could be some of you today inside your marriage that God could do an amazing work of restoration in your marriage because you didn't really realize what was driving all of the pain, and many times it's pride. Let's look at the second thing. If we're understanding the dangers of the pride ride, and again, I'm just reminding you that it is dangerous to be in the car with someone who is intoxicated. Would you agree with that? It is dangerous to be living your life with with someone who is on the pride ride. And and, and I would say, I mean, we have college students that that are here, and this is a a really important thing to say, and, and, and you may disregard me because I'm older, and that's cool. But, but watch this. If you're, if you're thinking about really drawing a silhouette of somebody that you would spend the rest of your life with, let me just implore you to think about a couple things. Number one, at the top of that list, find someone who is desperately in love with Jesus because if they're not desperately in love with Jesus, then they don't really have the capacity to love you, right? And I would, I would say the next thing is avoid someone who there's just some real red flags about pride. You might say, well, man, they are just, they are super attractive or they are so outgoing. But, man, if I just have to look, man, they are so prideful. Listen, you wouldn't get in the car with someone who's intoxicated. 
And you shouldn't you really hit your wagon to somebody in life that is just super prideful because it is destructive and it can be painful, right? So it's an important thing. Understanding the pride ride. Pride leads to destruction. Number two, let's take a look at this. Pride angers God. We're just seeing the dangers of the pride ride here, and then we're going to talk about how to get off the pride ride. But let's look at this. You ever heard anybody talk about the seven deadly sins? You ever heard anyone talk about that? I'm talking fast because I've got a long way to go, right? You could nod and I'll go faster. Like if you don't nod, I just keep going over the same point until somebody nods. So that's the secret of getting out on time is just nod. Even if you don't understand, nod, we'll move on. So a lot of you are like, yeah, yeah, got you. What did he say, honey? I don't know. Just nod at him. He'll move on. Uh, Proverbs 6, starting in verse 16. Here's where that comes from. Here's that list of these seven deadly sins. And you're like, there's a list of the seven most deadly sins in the Bible. I never knew that. Well, here it is. Uh, verse 16. These are, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Verse 17, the first in the list, haughty eyes. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, for the Hebrew, when they would have read this, a listing of seven things, that they, they would have understood that the thing that went first, the thing that would went first in the list would have been, really, if you could make a case, the most important one, right? Not to say that they aren't all important. Of course they are. Uh, but, th- but there was some priority. There was some reason why it was first. And, and we wouldn't really put that on our list of like, like if you had to say, the seven worst things you can do, number one would be, to live in pride. I mean, nobody would probably put that at the top of their list, right? And so why is it at the top uh, of the list? Uh, let, let me go ahead and read the rest of this, this verse to you and show you the other things that are there, and then I'm going to make a point. Is that okay with you guys? Good, all right. So seven things that are detestable to the Lord, haughty eyes. And again, what do we say about haughty eyes? Eyes that just look down on you, right? You know that guy. You know that gal, right? They're arrogant. They're conceited, and, 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 and they, they're, you can see that in their eyes. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, right, dishonesty, hands that shed innocent blood, violence, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into, into evil, right, taking advantage of people, extorting people, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community, a person who stirs, stirs up conflict. Many times that can be like a, like a gossip. So, so here's the question. Why is haughty eyes at the top of the list? Why is pride at the top of the list? Because we wouldn't put it at the top of the list. Could it be for this reason? A part of all sin finds its root in pride. A part of every sin that you and I will commit in our life, at a root of every sin I will commit in my life and every sin you will commit in your life, at the root of that sin is pride. Right? And and pride says a couple things. Like the, the first sin, let's go back to that, the first sin in the garden. I mean, Adam and Eve knew if they eat of this fruit of the tree that they, will, they shall die. And so pride says three things. It says more than that, but pride will always say three things. Pride will, will say this. They'll say, I know better than, pride says, I know better than you. Right? That's what pride says. I know better than you. And we even say that. And ultimately, any area of our life that we're walking in disobedience to God, that's really what we're saying. Now, we wouldn't say it that way, but it's really true. Right? When it comes to our morality or money or unforgiveness or whatever, any area that we're walking in disobedience, we, we would just say, I know better than you. And that's what Adam and Eve said, I know better than you. When you say you know better than God, what is that? That's pride, isn't it? Let me go ahead and tell you, every question I'm going to ask for the rest of the message, the answer is probably going to be pride. So just so I want you to show you that's going to be the deal. Uh, right? So it's, it's pride. Pride says, I know better than you. Uh, secondly, it says, I deserve this. Pride will say, I deserve this. Right? I'm doing good in a lot of other areas of my life, and so I deserve this, this one little indulgence that's outside of your will. And so that's why we can rationalize and justify everything because pride, pride just says, hey, you deserve it. And then pride says the rules don't apply to me. Right? 
And that's really what Adam and Eve's on. The, the rules don't really the rules don't really apply to, to us because we're we're kind of special, and that's kind of what we think. And so here's the point. Why is this first in this list? Because I think at, at, at the root, at the core of just about every sin, if not every sin you will commit in your life is pride. And if we don't, again, don't know what's driving the behavior, we'll be a prisoner to that behavior the rest of our life. You see? In fact, I can even make a case before the fall, before Adam and Eve. You want to get theological for just a second, anybody? Nobody? Two? Yeah. Uh, before the fall, pride existed. I mean, in other words, I think pride caused the fall. Because some of you say, well, listen, I don't, I don't agree with you. The, fir- the, the first sin in the garden was a deception brought about by Satan. Okay. Let's talk about his problem. Right? So what was Satan's problem? Now, again, I told you every single question I'm going to ask you is going to be pride, so you're catching on, right? Good. Don't feel too good about yourself, though, because that's, that's pride. Look at Isaiah chapter 14. Look at Isaiah chapter 14. It tells the story. It tells the story of Satan's fall, how you have fallen from heaven, talking about Lucifer, Morning star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth. You once who laid low the nations. You said in your heart, this is God telling Satan, here's here's what you said. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars. This is is Satan's exaltation of himself and what he wanted. It was rooted in pride. I will sit enthroned upon the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of the mount of Zaphron. I will ascend. I will ascend. Because again, Pride is, is what? It's, about, it's high. It's having a high view of yourself, right? I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So what, what, what was the root cause of this? Pride, right? But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. So when there is pride, there will always be a fall. You see it? When there's pride, there's always going to be a fall. But it doesn't have to be as painful. You see, because for some of you to experience humility, it'll have to be losing a relationship or losing a career or this devastating thing that it will take to really, really shake you instead of really letting the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit begin to transform us. So pride leads to destruction. Number two, pride angers God. And number three, pride will distance you from God. And you you might be saying, well, all of these things on this pride rise, they sound pretty similar. That's right. Up to this point, they're all really dealing with our relationship with God. What I want you to see is there is a heavy cost to pride. Like this morning, it's pretty cold when you woke up, right? unless you flew in from the Bahamas this morning. It was pretty cold when you woke up. And so let's just say you, went, you, you, you came into your kitchen this morning, and it was way colder than it should be in your kitchen. And you look at the, the largest window in your kitchen, a picture window in your kitchen, and it is wide open, and cold air is just pouring in. And what is the first thing that you're going to do? Yeah. Some of you are thinking, I'm supposed to say pride, but I feel like it's close the, close the window. Yeah. Yeah, you would close the window, right? You would close the window because it's costing you so much. I mean, for me, because I'm tight, right? I'm thinking not about the temperature. I'm thinking about the cash money, like that, that that's going out. What are we? What are we heating the old neighborhood now? Isn't that what your dad said when you were a kid growing up? Now I say the same thing. It's our responsibility to heat the whole neighborhood now. Close the window. You would close that window because you realize that that open window is costing you so much. Can I tell you something? There is an open window into your soul and my soul, and that is pride that is costing us way more than we ever realize in our relationship with God and our relationship with everyone else. That's really the point. And so let's take a look at this, Psalms 138, verse 6. Pride distances us from God. I want to show you this. Though the Lord is exalted, in other words, he's the one that's on high. 
He looks kindly on the lowly or on the humble, the lofty. He sees them from afar. In other words, those who walk in pride are, pride are distanced from God. Pride distances you from God because pride uh, really is a product of living an, an independent life. We love to say, about, say that in the West. We're very independent people in the West. Well, listen, that is contrary to what God is calling us to be. God has called you to be a dependent person. Do you understand that? See, this is, think about this. This is very different culturally. In fact, when the first century believers begin to embrace these con- this concept of humility and servant leadership as Jesus served and humbled himself to the point of death, that was such a contrary principle. The Roman Empire knew nothing of that because it was all about the exaltation of, of the, 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 the prideful, the powerful. It's very different. And what I'm trying to say to you is if you're going to be a follower of Christ Jesus, it is a call to a very different life. Do you understand that? These concepts and principles are very different, but they are life-giving, right? And so pride will distance you from God. It causes you to live an independent life. And let let me ask you this, because I hope this will be helpful to you. Have you ever said something like this? You ever said, you know what, in this season in my life, those of you who are watching online, think about this. Have you ever said something like this? In this season in my life, I, I feel just so far from God. I said, I just don't feel close to God right now. Why is it that I feel so distant from God? And so we feel that way from time to time. And so when you feel that way, the first place to look really is, is in the mirror because what could be happening is I could be walking in an area of unrepentant pride in my life, and it is just creating this distance between the Father and myself. And then the last thing, and this is really, really important, Pride distances you from others. Let's talk about the relational piece. This is so, so important. Pride will distance you from others. You cannot be walking in unrepentant pride and have a healthy relationship with anybody. Man, you know people like that. You know arrogant people. You know conceited people. And you realize, man, it is impossible to be around them, but we're so blind to the pride in our own life. And what we need to understand is this is really creating difficulty in the relationships around us, in our marriages, with our children, with our co-workers, with extended family, and on and on. Look at Proverbs 13, 10. Man, this is an awesome verse. Some of you say, well, you say that about every verse because it's really true. But watch this. Where there is strife, there is pride. I mean, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand that, right? You don't have to go to seminary to understand that. Where there is strife, in other words, Solomon is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, where there is conflict or strife, if there's any unhealthiness in any relationship, here's what you need to know. I'll show you what's there. Pride is there. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Can I tell you something? It takes more wisdom to receive advice than to give advice. Anybody can give it advice in the information age that we live in today, right? I mean, you, you're, you're 30 seconds away from being an expert on about any topic. You just Google it, right? And we love to give advice. You know, true wisdom is the ability to take advice, you know, first from the Lord and then from godly people. So let me tell you about horizontal relationships and a pride. Pride either started the problem in any relationship you have. Think about this. Any dysfunctional relationship you have in your life right now, maybe it's in marriage, maybe it's with your children, maybe it's an extended family member, maybe it's a coworker. I don't know. All of us, could we just agree? Can we just have church here today? All of us would agree we, we have a difficult relationship with somebody in our life. Can we agree with that? Yeah. And, and, and so I think pride either started that or has kept the problem from being solved. Like, I've never had this happen in a service. We put that slide up Thursday night, and this dude stands up down here on the front. He just takes a picture of it. I was like, that's better than an amen. Right, because you can tell, like, 
Yeah. This isn't an original thought with me. I promise you that. So, so we have to think about that. If, I, if I've got a problem with somebody, pride either started that, meaning I was, I was, I was high. Like I, I, was, I was intoxicated with self. I put my needs, my desires, my views above them. Right? And it has created strife in the relationship. The, the, the answer is that I would humble myself and put their needs, their desires, their opinion. I would listen to that. I would humble myself. And then there's a chance for that relationship to be reconciled. Listen, pride, here's the thing. We said pride either started the problem or kept the problem from being solved. Here's what I mean by kept the problem from being solved. Pride will keep you from making the first move in reconciliation. Isn't that really true? With anybody right now that you're sideways with, Somebody's going to have to take the first move, but why don't we take the first move? Pride always keeps us locked in and keeps us from making the first move because we have this elevated view of ourselves. Instead of humbling ourselves and say, you know what, Jesus has forgiven me of everything, so I can risk humbling myself and forgiving you. Now, let's finish this up today. You guys doing okay? Up to this point, here's all we've talked about. We've talked about that pride is an issue for all of us. I mean, my guess is most all of us probably didn't do so well on the pride test, right? So it's there. And, and the point is not to beat anybody up. That's not the point, not guilt and shame Sunday. The point is let's just be aware that pride is, is something that, that is uh, present in our life, and we want to die to that as a follower of, of Jesus Christ. And I, I can't really confess that until I, I just agree that it's there, right? This is an important thing, and I'll be held captive by it. So we understand that pride's present, right? I will say that. Let me just say it this way. Pride's present in my life. I'll be the first. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And secondly, if pride stays, pride will take you on a dangerous ride. The pride ride is a dangerous ride, and it is dangerous for everybody I'm in relationship with, for myself and my relationship with God and everybody I'm in relationship with. And now lastly, let's land the plane, and let's talk about how to get off the pride ride because this is what is so powerful about the gospel of Jesus Christ is because we serve a Savior who has experienced everything that we have experienced, lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death, and then rose victoriously over, watch this, the penalty and the power of sin. What was the penalty of sin? Death. Jesus obliterated that in his resurrection. And what else? What is the power of sin? You see, that's what sin does. Sin just controls us, and we will live our whole life not being able to break free from it. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God who comes to live inside of us, we now, according to Scripture, have that resurrection power to walk in victory. Do you believe that? So we don't have to say here today, I've always been prideful, and I'll always be prideful. My daddy was prideful. My granddaddy was prideful. My great-granddaddy was prideful. That's just what it means to be a cooper. We're prideful people. No, it means because I'm born again through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can break free from that. Is that good news? I'll just stay here because if we don't understand this, nothing else makes sense, right? You can't do this. You can't get off the pride ride. But he can do it in and through you if you'll let him, right? And you got to admit that, that you're on it first, right? Because you can't get off something that you don't know you're on. Well, that was profound, wasn't it? <laughs> wow. Um, how do we get off the pride ride? Number one, realize the secret. Realize the secret of life. What is the secret of life? Look at Proverbs 29, verse 23. Pride ends in humiliation. If you're going to continue to walk in pride, you're going to be humbled. It's going to happen. Pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor I mean, which one you want? You want humiliation, you want honor. Let's be quick here. I'll take honor, please. 
And so the way up is down. That's the secret of the Christian life. The way up is down. You want honor, humble yourself. You humble yourself before. That's how we enter into a relationship with God, isn't it? Right? When we're born again, we humble ourselves and we say, you know what? I can't. I can't overcome sin. My sin has left me dead. And I humble myself before the Lord Jesus and surrender. And he gives me new life and I'm born again. That's how we get into the kingdom. Would you agree with that? And that's how we continue to grow inside the kingdom. Like, I can't, but you can. And I understand the secret of life. In any area, if I will humble myself, then God will lift me up. The way up is down. And in your relationship, if your relationship's at a dead end, what's the answer? Why don't you humble yourself, put their needs ahead of your, your needs, and watch as God begins to bring life into that relationship. Do you see that? The way up is down. That's the secret of life. Number two, I'm going to have to take a drink of water here because I've shared this all weekend long, and it's not gone over well. With our, uh, I'm 50 years old. Um, I think, I think it really kind of maybe it started more with my gener- generation. Um, we really began to focus on having a healthy self-esteem, right? We wanted everyone to have a healthy self-esteem. We wanted everyone to feel good about themselves, and we wanted our children to have a healthy self-esteem. I uh, I remember like as a kid in elementary school. Uh, the principal would, uh, I mean, teachers in elementary school, they would have a paddle on their desk. They would, uh, the men teachers, they'd go to the wood shop and they'd have that thing named. Any of you remember that? Big old paddle would be named. They'd have holes in it. And that'd be sitting up on their desk. I remember that like it was yesterday. Had a wrought iron strap around there. And I mean, they would take you out in the hallway and lift you up off the ground. Now, I'm not, here's my point. I'm not endorsing that. I'm not, not, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, man, that was the deal. You don't see that anymore. Right? And again, don't, 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 don't think that here's what the message is about. We ought to start paddling our kids. That's what Pastor Brady said. No, I'm just saying we, we moved into a day where we we're so concerned about everybody having a healthy self-esteem that everyone needed to feel good about themselves. And so we don't want to make decisions in anybody's life that would affect their self-esteem, how they view themselves. And so we focused on a healthy, having a healthy self. Well, don't, don't, don't say that. That will hurt his self-esteem. Right? And so here's the, here's the problem. That doesn't work. It doesn't work because it's not the highest value. Here's the deal. If you want off the pride ride, in, in fact, when we've just focused so much on a healthy, healthy self-esteem, we just regenerate, we've raised generation after generation after generation that's just high, just intoxicated like with self, right? We're just high. And we are, I mean, we're look, all we can do is look down. Because we feel so good about ourselves, right? Now, here's the, here's the, here's the problem. We, if you want to get off the pride ride, first of all, what you have to do is you have to value Christ's esteem over self-esteem. Because you, you could never truly feel good about yourself and be content until you understand who he is and what he's done. And so if we'll focus in our families and in our relationships, if we'll focus on thinking about the power and the position of this resurrected and risen Christ, if people begin to understand to value the esteem of Christ above all things, what begins to happen is it begins to change who we are and affect who we are. And so you don't focus first on your own positive self-esteem. You begin to esteem the risen Christ. And listen, the way you feel will begin to, to change. The way you react and respond to others will begin to change. Number three, let others correct you. You want off the pride ride? Let others correct you. I think it's important sometimes to lay the ground rules out. To ladies in your small group, to guys in your small group, to key trusted friends in your life, to say this, hey, would you love me enough? When you see a blind spot in my life, would you tell me? 
And can I tell you something? When someone, please listen to what I'm about to say. Whether it's your parent, whether it's your spouse, whether it's someone in your small group, whatever it is, when someone points out a fault in your life, would you not become immediately defensive? Don't go on the attack. That's what we do. When someone points out a fault in our life, we immediately go to a problem that they have in their life, right? We immediately go on the attack instead of understanding. Instead of understanding that what they may have just done is giving you a precious gift to show you something that you couldn't see yourself, that have really stayed there in your life, you're going to run it into a ditch and value that, right? A person who gets off the pride ride is a person who can take correction, right? I love sports. The greatest athletes of all time have never been the most athletic. They've always been the most coachable, the most teachable. And so if you want off the pride ride, begin to have a quickness to admitting that you're wrong, a quickness in asking for forgiveness and a quickness in in granting forgiveness. Let that be a whole new culture inside your 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 life, your family. One of my boys, I won't say which one, but uh, this week he, he said something. I was kind of quick to jump back and, and criticize. I kind of came at him a little bit, and then I, I, I kind of went on throughout my day, and I'm, I'm, I'm studying to preach to you about pride, and I'm, I'm beginning to think, you know what? What he said to me was right. I mean, that was right. There was wisdom in what this dude said to me, and so I had to tell him. I had to say, man, I'm, I'm sorry, that was right. And, and in his mind, he's like, Dad's sick. I think he's dying. Right? He'd never say that. But see, that, that's how I want to live the rest of my life. Uh, I want to be quick to take correction and not become defensive. I've done that with my wife for years. When she has shown me pride, selfishness in my life, I've been quick to be defensive, and it has just created greater disconnection in our relationship. But to stop and value that. Listen, let's be honest about something here. Nobody wants to do that, right? I mean, there's not anybody in this room that say, you know what, that's good. I'm going to be quick to let others correct me. That's hard. Isn't it hard? It's hard to let someone correct you. That's one of the most difficult things in life. Well, let me tell you something that helps me. And I don't know if it will help you, but I'm going to share it. Is that okay? When someone corrects me, when you come and you correct me, and you have every right to do that if I'm outside of the will of God, right? You have every right to do that. That's what it means to be in a family. We call this thing a family of God. Well, that's what we do in a family because we love each other. So when you correct me, I can, it's easy, let me just say, it's easier for me to admit that I'm wrong because Jesus has already made me right. Can I say that to you again? It is easier for me to admit that I'm wrong when I'm wrong because Jesus has made me right. What do you mean by that? What do you mean when you say he's made you right? Here's the deal. Because of my faith in Christ as Savior and Lord, I am now positionally right with God. That's what it means to be born again. When you put faith and trust in Christ, his sinless life, and his sacrificial death, right, his resurrection, his victory over death, then you are, when you put that faith in him, you are positionally right with God. Isn't that an amazing thing? When God sees you, he sees you through the lens of the righteousness of his son. Is that powerful? That is so powerful. So that's how God sees you today if you're born again, through the righteousness of his son. That's how he sees you positionally. Is that good news? Please tell me. 
right? It is good news. So I can admit when I'm horizontally wrong with you because of the solid foundation I have knowing I'm positionally right with him. You see? It doesn't shake my position with him. It just helps me to grow with you. Does that help you at all? Yeah, it, it really helps me. I have to come back and remind myself, right? So let others correct you if you want all the pride right. And then last thing, and this is a hard thing, and um, I know I'll get some pushback from this, but th- that's okay. I- I've learned, listen, the-, the greatest applications that you'll take from a message will not be the applications I will give you. They will be what the Holy Spirit will apply to your life in the upcoming hours and days. Is that true as you wrestle with things and chew on some things? Is that true of you? Yeah, it's always true. So if you want off the pride ride, number four, let others begin to commend you in your life. What do I mean by that? We are such a self-promotional society. We, we, lo- we, we just promote self, and it's just like a cottage industry today. And, and again, I'm not, for those of you going to push at me because you're in sales and your business and you've got to get my business out there, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about yourself, right? We promote self so much because we all want more responsibility. We want more opportunity. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, 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 I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying there's something different if you want off the pride ride. Because, listen, if you're, if, if you're just stuck on constantly promoting yourself, you, here's the truth. Man, this is hard truth. You're the only person in your life who doesn't realize that. Everybody else around you gets it, right, and they're turned off by it. And so here's what I love about the Bible, because right now you don't agree with what I'm saying, so I got a verse. All right, so take it up with him. Look at Proverbs 27.2. Let someone else praise you. You don't have to be in the self-promotion business. Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider and not your own lips. Listen, if there is a desire in your life to be elevated in your career or in ministry or whatever it is that you feel like, you know what, I have this, I have this desire for more. I, I want... I want more opportunity. And I know that's kind of a vague thing, but whatever. Do you understand that? Because that's a natural desire. How do we get there? Well, what we're prone to do is promote self, promote self, promote self to get there. And the Scripture says, no, let another do that for you. And, and you say, well, will that happen? Well, listen, has God created you? Yes. Does God know your bent and desires and the giftings that he's given you? Yes. Does God know what he has for you, plans to prosper you and give you hope? The answer is yes, yes, yes. And so what God will do, you watch, he'll bring others in the body of Christ alongside and they'll call those things out in you. And listen, when another person sees that and calls that out in you, listen, that's when it begins to happen for you. That It hasn't been something that you've manipulated and you've achieved on your own through pride, but you've waited in humility, right? Waiting takes humility, doesn't it? Waiting says, I'm going to wait here, God, until you raise me up. And listen, when God God raises us up. He puts us on a firm foundation. If you raise yourself up in self-promotion, you'll be insecure of everybody around you. And it's such a shaky landing place. Does that make sense? It's important. Let me close with this. James chapter 4, verse, verse 8. I love this verse. James is like New Testament Proverbs. James says, God opposes the proud, but he offers grace to the humble. That's about as clean and clear as it gets, isn't it? That God today stands in opposition to pride in my life. That so gets my attention, does it you? Because the last thing I want in my life is be in opposition in any way, shape, fashion, and form to the power of my God. 
But what would do that? Pride. God opposes the proud, but he offers grace, unmerited favor to the humble. Pride says three things. Let me close with this. Pride says three things. I've already said them, but just a reminder. Pride says three things, and humility says one thing. And I'm going to ask you a question just a second. Which one sounds more like your life? And then I'm done. Pride says, I I know better. Okay, I know what the Word says, but in this case, I know better. Pride will say that. Pride says, I deserve it. I've got these things dialed in. I've had to go through this in my life, so I, I deserve this. Pride will say that. Pride says, the rules don't really apply to me. Those are the words that pride speaks over us over and over again. Does pride say more than that? Sure. But pride constantly says that. Humility says one thing. I surrender. I'm under you. I'm going to be brought low because I know who I am and I know who you are. And I'm trusting you to raise me up. First of all, for salvation. Secondly, for any level of growth in any area of my life. So pride says three things. I know better. I deserve better. And the rules don't apply to me. And humility says one thing. I surrender. Here's the question. The question of the day. Which one sounds more like you? The answer to that question really determines the destiny of our life, doesn't it? Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the hard truth that you oppose the proud. Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you show any areas of pride in our life where we are high and we have brought you low and others lower? And can we repent of that? And Lord, your word says you oppose the proud, but you offer grace to the humble. Are there those here today, Father, who could humble themselves and trust you as Savior and Lord for the first time in their life? For their husbands who could humble themselves and put their wife's needs ahead of their own? Are there folks that are stuck in dysfunctional relationships because they're too prideful to admit they were wrong? Father, could we be brought low? so that you could exalt us and pour your grace on the situation. Would you begin to do a fresh work in us? And Lord, as we allow you to get us off the pride ride, we begin to step into a life of wisdom and begin to experience the consequences and the benefits. In Christ's name, amen.